This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. God is good. Wow, that was weak. I said, God is good. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much this morning. Well, I'm looking forward to bringing you a message today entitled, God is watching. God is watching. Let's bow our heads in this place today. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. God, speak to us through your word change our hearts and change our lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God is so good. He is so faithful. Hallelujah. I think I'm just going to walk around and smile at you until some of you smile back. Come on now. Amen. Well, we have had a tremendous day, but you know, sometimes things happen in our lives that um, we just kind of let stuff get by and we forget about things. I had one of those moments this week and, and actually got hit with it again this morning. Um, how long has it been since time changed? What, like six months? Something like that? Well, I have this clock in my office that I haven't changed yet. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, we're only like six weeks from it changing again. So why bother it now? Right? I mean, we're six weeks out, it's about to be a new season, and then it'll be lined up. And I was like, that's a little weird. So this week I was thinking about that, and, and I was sitting there, and I was in, a, in my office, and I was thinking, why am I so hungry? It's only 11 o'clock in the morning. Why? I mean, I shouldn't be this hungry for at least an hour, hour and a half. And then I remembered that clock was wrong. And it was 12-something. And I said, oh, my body is trying to tell me something's off here. You're not on your normal routine. Well, I tell you that story today to tell you that sometimes there's seasons in our lives that we think, oh, I'll be ready for that then. But unless what we line up now is done right, then we're not going to be ready when we get there. And so God's wanting to speak to some of us today. And I get the extreme honor of pastoring what I believe to be one of the greatest churches on the planet, and I get to talk with them about things that need to be talked about. And what have we talked about over the last few months? We've talked about how to deal with uh, the changing world around us and how to be blessed in the middle of that climate. And and then today, uh, we're going to take a shift because we've been in prophecy. And today, thanks be to God, I get to talk to you about tithing. Some of you went, oh, Lord, I already do that. Well, good. I'm going to talk to you about more than just tithing. But I want to talk to you about the generosity and the level of tithing of our lives. I don't do that very often. But I think it's important because if we're going to be ready for the next season that's ahead of us, then we're going to have to make sure everything is in line in our life. You know, this is a very significant weekend in the history of the world. This is the New Year weekend in Jewish culture. 
And so when we study the things of Jewish culture, they're very important. Jesus didn't say, I came to abolish the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. And so there's some items like tithing that are a part of the law, but they yet even preceded the law and went even way beyond that, even to the days of Abraham and before that. And so when we realize there's some things that God wants us to learn, because tithing is not so much about money as it is about your heart. And I thought this was another side of an interesting point for us this weekend was that I didn't talk to any of our other campuses about what they were going to preach about, and I was blown away with how many are dealing with the issue of where your heart is. Because where your heart is, that's what you're going to pursue. That's what you're going to talk about. That's what's going to come out of who you are. And so we're going to read a passage. A lot of times it's mentioned about tithing, and it really can be applicable for tithing, but it's really about grace. And grace has a lot to do with tithing. But it's out of Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 38. Again, open your Bibles to Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 38. Here's what it says. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. Now, when I'm talking about money and read a scripture like that, I can take that and run it way out of context. But how, how or why could we justifiably do that? So we need to bring it right back to what God was teaching us, right back to where we are. You know, the other day I was reading an article, and I thought it was an interesting article. It said, here's the difference in what wealthy people do from your average person. Here's what wealthy people do from your average person. The difference in this article said it, the contrasts were great, but mostly is the way they spend, the way they network, But the thing that caught my attention the most, and I wasn't sure why until I began to prepare for this sermon, was that the wealthiest people, listen to me carefully, the wealthiest people invest when others withdraw. That those who have been blessed and are going to walk in a financial blessing, they realize that the greatest rewards come from the moments when others retreat. Can I take that away from finances for a moment and tell you that your faith should not be determined by the, by the news. Your faith walk should not be determined by what you hear or see on your uh, post or on your feed. Your faith walk should be consistent no matter what's happening in your life. That if you're committed unto God right where you are, right where God has called you to be in this season, and you realize you're not quite ready for the next season because some things aren't lined up yet, and you'll begin to line up some things in your life, God will line you up for greater blessings than you could ever imagine. See, I truly believe in that the principle of, of sowing and reaping is important. But I want to share just a story that I've shared with you a few years ago from from history that illustrates the importance of obeying the principles of God when others back down. And the story comes from the height of the rationing of World War II. Then at the end of this, I'll bring this in uh, for us as as a body. The, The year was 1945. The date was July 30th. On July 30th, 1945, Time Magazine published a fascinating article on a hypothesis drawn into an experiment drawn off of Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. 
Here's what uh, that verse says. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not, here we go, more blessings, I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So there was a man by the name of Perry Hayden. Perry Hayden was a faithful tither, and he realized that the nation had just come through a serious depression. And as soon as they came through this serious depression, we entered into a world war, yet another one, the Second World War, and everybody was, was beginning to back down from, from, from things in life. And Perry Hayden made a decision. He said, I'm going to step up when others are withdrawing, and I'm going to try God and let God prove himself. So what he did was a very interesting experiment. He said, God, I'm going to plant a small uh, plot of ground. I'm going to tithe off of that plot of ground. And after I tithe off that plot of ground, then we'll see what happens. And I'm going to do it for six years. And at the end of the six years, I'll do the biblical principle of Levitical law and let the ground rest on the seventh year. So Perry Hayden takes, watch this now, a space about the same size as this. And he plants it with 360 kernels of wheat. A year later, when the harvest is taken off of those kernels of wheat, he ties off of those kernels of wheat. And as he ties off of those kernels of wheat off that small little plot of ground, then uh, something amazing happens. It has turned into 45 cubic inches of kernels. He tithes, plants the remainder. In 1942, he has a yield of 70 pounds. He tithes the wheat and is replanted then the 63 pounds on a one-acre plot provided to him by his very close friend by the name of Henry Ford. In 1943, the one acre yields 16 bushels from that one bushel of seed, and Henry Ford has to provide a reaper and a thresher just to bring in the harvest. He tithes. Then Ford says, you can use my my farm again. So they take 14 acres of Henry Ford's farm and they plant again with the remainder, which yields 380 bushels. They tithe on the crop and then uh, it took 230 acres of of ground to plant the, uh, the harvest and then it takes 40 combines just to reap it. In 1945, it yields 5,555 bushels. At that time, after tithing, they take and they take the 5,000 bushels and there's so much of it, they turn it over to 276 farmers totaling over 2,600 acres, 2,666 acres of property that it takes to plant the wheat. They plant the wheat with one understanding. They can have nine-tenths of the harvest after that year, but they have to tithe the one-tenth to their congregation. In 1946, the governor of Michigan, Harry Kelly, made a declaration that on August 1st, it would be biblical wheat day because it was the sixth harvest. What started out as a 360 kernel planting had now turned into a harvest of 72,500 bushels of wheat that if we were to convert into today's dollars, it would be over 1.5 
billion dollars worth of wheat all because a man said, I'm going to test God and prove that no matter what's happening in the world around us, God's word is still true. God's word can still be stood upon. And I want you to understand what started in an urban garden. How many of you are thinking you could go a long way with your backyard right now? Amen. But what started in an urban garden turned into a blessing for a whole state. Listen to me. It went further is where it was sold and fed people post-depression. Why? Because somebody dared to believe God. I'm looking for a people today who will stand up with me and will say, it might not be just in tithing. It might be in many other ways, but I'm going to dare to believe God that if I will honor God when others withdraw, that God will honor me. Amen. Why don't you give that kind of God a praise today? You see, though, I truly believe God is watching. I believe he is watching because he wants to bless the circumstances that, that cause us to be committed to him. Now, the principle here, and this is not a pastor's favorite thing to teach on, but the principle here is the word in this story, tithing. And to understand what I'm trying to talk to you about today, you're going to have to understand tithing. To tithe simply means a tenth part, a tenth of something, okay? Somebody was telling me the other day that they were trying to decide when they were going to follow something. I said, no, 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 God's already set that in his word. God's already established that day. Our job is to line up with his word, and what if it doesn't line up with my life? See, that's the whole problem. We want God to line up with us and not us line up with him. I could probably sit down after that one. Listen to me. Here's what I didn't know this week. Did you know that the tenth that the Jewish people brought was not just any tenth? And I knew this, but it was called the first fruit. The what? First First fruit. But what I didn't know was that while they were harvesting the field, they would only harvest one-tenth of it and stop. I thought they harvested it all, separated it out, and then you went on. But they would harvest one-tenth of the field and stop. And they call that the first harvest. And they would go and gather that one-tenth of the field, the first fruits, the first harvest, and bring it to the house of God and turn it over there. And as they brought it and turned it over, they were making a statement, a very important statement that they believed would affect. They believed that if they honored God with the first fruit, that God would then get involved in the second harvest. And let me just explain this to you in a practical sense for our life. If you've been living giving God the afterthoughts of your week, and you're wondering why God hasn't moved for you, if you've been giving God the scraps that are left over after sin has chewed you up all week long, and you're wondering why you're not feeling as blessed as the person, can I just take this? Paul can sing his heart out and you don't feel God. But you're wondering why the guy next to you is like crying or dancing and why you're not feeling God. It's because you've not given him the first of your life. You see, you can't hold out on God and expect his full blessings. And we have to begin to come to a place in our life that it's not just financial, but it's every aspect of who that we are. Do you know what the very first thing that I like to do every single morning is? Every single morning, I roll over, I grab this, and the first thing I like to do before my 
feet hit the ground is I push a little app right here, and I take this app, and I throw it open, and I read that one verse. Now, I'm going to go spend an hour, hour and a half with the Lord, but I'm going to get up because before my feet hit the ground, I want the Word of God in my life. Why do I do that? Because I'm being symbolic of the moment. I'm saying I'm giving you my mind. Help me get it lined up because can I tell you what can happen between my room and my study? The world. It can go off. And some of you are gifted at texting me way too early in the morning. It can go off. And, and the whole world begins to shift. And the problems and the struggles, and I mean, or, or I can trip over something and, and, and then I'm in a bad mood by the time I get there. But what I want is the Word of God to be the very first thing that begins to decide the climate of my life. What would, my goodness, I feel God in what I'm telling you today. What would happen if God and God's plan for your life became the most important thing for your life? It's not about how much money you're going to make today or how much increase you're going to have or where you're going to be able to live or what you're going to be able to do. But instead, what would happen if we became came a people who woke up and said, God, today I'm going to honor you. Amen. Pastor Don, what does this have to do with tithing? See, the simple thing is this. Tithing is just one of many areas of our life that God's wanting to change who we are in, but it's the easiest to measure. So you think, oh, I'm doing really, really good. I've forgiven that person until you run into them. See, you can't measure that until the moment. But tithing is a measurable step that shows you where you are in your life. You see, Hayden's illustration was based on tithing, the first and second harvest. But you see, first fruits are a statement of faith that if I honor God first in all areas of my life, then God is able to move for me. And this is important because where does all of that come from? It comes from grace. You see, grace is the genesis of generosity. If I won't let grace flow, flow through me, I can't receive it flowing to me. And so I have to become a grace-filled person. Now, I know that none of you have ever struggled with grace. But I have had issues in my life to where I'm having to process the feeling of being upset with somebody. Let me just give you an example. This may not make sense to any of you, but it was a real area of contention in my, my marriage. This story didn't go quite so well in the last service. I'm going to try a little different spin on it this service. So how many of you realize that we bring different, different opinions into a marriage? Well, my wife brought one opinion that was different. Matter of fact, it was just wrong. <laughs> We're going south already, aren't we? <laughs> she, and it's not so big a deal unless you're living with it. But she believes down in the fiber of her being somehow that it's okay to leave the butter on the counter and not return it to the refrigerator. That may not bother you, but it bothers me because all I can think of are the microbes and the things that are growing and festering in that hot butter sitting on the counter. Some of you are going, I'm never coming to eat at your house, Pastor. <laughs> well, let me tell the story. First off, there's my butter and it's safe. 
But I don't know how many times in the early years of our marriage I went to make toast and I, I grabbed hold of the butter. And, 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 you know, there's a certain amount of force that you pick up the butter with. But if it's been sitting in the refrigerator, you, that, that works. But if it's been sitting out on the, uh, the counter and you grab hold of it, it goes. We fought over the butter. I don't know how many times I took the butter, threw it in the refrigerator, slammed the door and said, can you not walk it eight feet? You're like, cop, Esther, you're hard to live with. (laughs) I wish you could hear how many things she says that to me about. For 20 years, we fought over the butter. 20 years. Can I tell you, 30 years later, she's still wrong. <laughs> but you know what I finally decided for our 20th? You know what I got my wife for our 20th anniversary? Her own butter dish. I went and bought the nicest butter dish I could find. I put her some soft butter in there and stuck it out on the counter there and took her around, made her find her, her present. I mean, I gave her something else too, but made her find her present. And I was like, look, honey. And she's like, you got me a butter dish? I said, no, I accept you for who you are. <laughs> but can I... <laughs> so anybody need this moment, all right? Listen to me. But what I'm trying to tell you is that... Fighting about it didn't help any. If, listen, if you can't fix it in 20 years, you're never going to fix it. What brought the peace was when I got generous and said, look, I'm going to do what's necessary for you to see. And watch, watch this. Do you know how long she used that butter dish? Probably not long at all. Because suddenly it started making its way back to the refrigerator. Hallelujah. (laughs) Because, and honey, if you're watching this, I love you. She's ministering over one of our other campuses today. Thank you. Listen to me. Because when I finally got generous from a grace-filled position, it tore down the walls. And that's why when we talk about giving, we realize that you won't support a ministry that you don't have grace for. You won't let God flow through you to that. Nor will you be good to someone that you don't have grace for. What you have to understand is God's not after your money. He's after your heart. The problem, though, is those two live in the same space. Think about that. They live in the same place. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also, Jesus said. Listen, well, Pastor Don, when you speak of tithing, you don't really understand the concepts of tithing. Well, I'm just going to tell you, I've lived them. I understand them completely. Okay? I understand them completely. But I also understand what the Word says about tithing. In the very last statement on tithing, Jesus is addressing issues of the law, and he's like, you know, that he said, you've turned these things upside down. And he said, tithing's one of the ones you've turned upside down. But he said, you ought, Jesus, last word on tithing in the Bible, Jesus said, you ought to tithe. Words of Christ. It's a part of who we are. And it's a measurement, but it's not just tithe. It's also in the grace that you give people. Or it could be as simple as this. 
So I'm riding down the road, and I see an elderly lady sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire. I don't have time, and I'm definitely not dressed for it. But what do you do? You stop and you change the tire. Now, you have to be careful not to scare her. Like, ma'am, stay in the car. Stay in the car. We're good. We're going to evaluate this. Pop the trunk. We're going to help you. You know, I'm Pastor so-and-so. You stay in the car. You're good. We finished changing the tire, which probably took me twice as long as it would have taken you. We get done, and the window comes down, and she's like, Honey, here's $20. Thank you. Thank you, young man. I'm like, you don't have to give me $20. You just called me young. <laughs> That's awesome. But she says, here you go. And I said, no, ma'am, I won't take you money. No, I want to bless you, young man. I'm like, no, let me tell you why I did this. I did this because my mother drives down the road. And I would like to think that if my mother was broke down on the side of the road, somebody would stop and change her tire and protect her. You see, the same measure that you measure, so shall it be measured to you. It's not just about what you put in the plate. It's about how you live your life. It's about the way you give grace. And sometimes you're feeling like, whoa, whoa, whoa I've been more gracious than you're being to me, and I get that. I've had that happen in my life. But God is not mocked. What a man sows, that he will reap, and in due season it will come and turn for your good. But see, the real matter is this. When we're faithful over matters of the heart, we're then entrusted with matters of the kingdom. So God's looking for people who will trust him. Now look, when I was preparing the sermon this week, as I was studying I put all this down, put it in place, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, look what weekend it is. And I'm like, look what weekend it is. And I'm, he's like, look what weekend it is. I said, well, okay, well, Lord, it's, it's Rosh Hashanah, the new year. And he's like, but what is that? The new season, the change of atmosphere, the, the change of season. And what did I say earlier? Most of us, we see a new season coming. We're just not ready to line our lives up to be ready to get there. Listen to me. Most of us feel like, we, we, like God's let us down in this season. And the truth is, listen to this, if you've been holding out on God, the truth is that you have really been holding back God's blessings on you. And so what I have to do to be ready for the new season is to get my life aligned today, not tomorrow, not in that season, but I've got to start with what I can do now. And as I begin to get my life aligned right now, it begins to move me into preparation for the new season that's ahead. So if there's somebody you need to forgive, then you need to get about forgiving. If there's somebody you need to give grace to, there's somebody that you need to start pouring out grace on. And if you've not honored God in your giving, then you need to begin to honor God in your giving because it's all these seasons that we're headed toward in our life. But I, I said, Lord, I still don't understand. And he said, but what are you declaring? What are you declaring? And actually, I called Ray about this. And I said, Ray, am I right in what I've researched here that Rosh Hashanah is a part of that is a declaration of the harvest? And it's a declaration that you're entering into a season of harvest. And I said, 
Okay, God, I don't know what you're saying to me here, but then God began to reveal that to me, that what, I, what I'm declaring over you, and I use those words very, very carefully, but I'm using those words that if you will honor God the way you should now, that we are entering into a season of harvest that when others are backing down and others are withdrawing, we can step into a new level of the presence of God. We can step into new levels of God's grace. We can step into new le- levels of God's blessings on our life. As a matter of fact, why not I just use his words, press down, shaking together, running over. He's shaking it together so even more can come into your life because you're honoring God. See, I didn't say give me this and this is what's going to happen. That's not what tithing preaching is about. It's about the condition of your heart. What blows my mind is how many, I only preach on tithing use about once every year to two years. And what blows my mind on that is that baby Christians begin to do that. Why? Because they begin to line up their lives with, in a generous way because they have received much. They want to be part of giving it to others. But it always works out for our good. I'm riding down the road with our, our, our campus pastor from Florida. I told you this, when, and we were talking about buildings that we now occupy this building. We passed by a building. I said, what about that building? He said, Pastor, nobody just gives you churches. I said, Brother, we occupy five buildings that have just been given to us. Now we occupy six that have been given to us. Why? Because you don't know how many times we've blessed other ministries. You know, we have this joke around here that says, Pastor Don won't sell anything, and he won't throw anything away that he thinks has value, but you better watch out. It'll show up missing because he sowed it into some other church. (laughs) Why? Because you can't outgive God. And when the enemy attacks, my favorite thing to do is to go on the offensive, preach the gospel, and sow. This is so important. So I talked to you about this in the offering last week, but I want to kind of bring this story to a close. We're going to close today. So I even remember a few weeks ago when I came to you and said, okay, there's a church in California we want to bless. How many remember that? We said, so you, I see about half of you didn't know that. There, there was, we said, all right, we can either get mad about what's happening or we can do something to make it better. So what are you going to decide in your life? So I, we thought we, they were kind of hoping for this amount of offering and, and we were going to buy them something they needed and we th- I thought we'd get about right here and you guys got about right here. I was so blessed. I actually finally made contact with the pastor this, this week because we just sent it, we actually sent it through, through an organization we could trust and we sent it to them and, and I said, you don't have to tell them it's even us because we just want them to think Jesus sent it to them. And didn't think anything more about it. Didn't I mean, it was done. It was over. Praise God. Hallelujah. We did what God laid on our hearts to do. Not because we were trying to get something, but because it was the right thing. And so they're preaching in a park. Now they have all the equipment they need to preach in a park. Because of your generosity. That's pretty awesome, right? So I didn't think anything more about it. But well, here's something, you, the backstory you didn't know to this. So poor Pastor Danny over here has to always try to figure out how to get all the kids in the school where they need to go. And we've got these beautiful new vans, but let's just say a child that can ride those vans, I'll just pick on Isaiah right there, Isaiah can ride that van with Pastor Kevin as a youth pastor all day long, totally legal, but he can't ride it with Pastor Danny as the head of the school because that becomes illegal, same vehicle. So we've needed this van, or bus, we need this big bus. 
We've allocated $75,000, and every time we need $75,000 for that to go buy one of those, we, we've literally had something blow up here, something leak there. I mean, you, you're, it's not just one campus. You're talking about all of these campuses that, that something's got to be constantly taken care of and maintenance, and it's just, you know, it's just explosion of this and that and, and, and all this stuff, and, and we're like, oh, my gosh. Pastor Danny has waited so patiently. So that they were riding down the road, and he calls me. And I didn't even put these two together. Jason and I are driving that back from somewhere, and, and, and we're driving down the road, and, and Pastor Danny says, hey, Pastor, uh, there's a church in Virginia. They contacted us way back when. We couldn't work out anything. He said, but they've heard what we did with the church in California. Why did we do that? Because it was the right thing to do. And they want to make it possible for us to have a bus for our kids. And they're willing to meet us here instead of here. Here. Can we do that? I was like, call them back. Tell them we can meet them there. And now all we have to do is go pick the bus up. Because the Lord has met our need. You see, maybe what you need is to give grace to the person who lives in your house. Maybe what you need is to forgive your neighbor or your family. Maybe what you need is to begin to honor God's word and let your treasure line up with your heart and by faithfully obeying God not because you're manipulated into it but because it's simply the right thing and if that's the case it is my joy whether you've been walking there or you're just going to start walking there to declare a new year a new season a new day over your life of blessings if you want to live in the place of just enough or not enough stay there as long as you want but if you want to learn to live in joy that is pressed down shaken together and running over in grace that abounds because I need a lot of grace in favor and in blessings then honor God today so that the new season of harvest will be great for you. Stand with me today. Pastor Don, you don't understand. We don't like it when pastors preach on giving or tithing. I understand that. I don't like eating vegetables either. Much rather have a Swiss roll. But some things you need to eat some things you need to do. I'm not real sure who was the first person to ever tithe to War Hill. But it's one of about six families. And one of those was mine. I'm not encouraging you to do something that I don't practice myself.
If you've been holding out on somebody, grace, today's a good day just to forgive and begin to pour that out. If you've been holding unforgiveness, then you've been living in a place of scarcity that's not healthy for you. And if you haven't honored God with your giving and you're wondering why you're going through a financial period that you can't explain, then you need to line up. You need to go whatever it takes. Go home, go by the kiosk, go online, whatever it takes to get it in line. Honor God when others withdraw, and God will bless you immensely. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing that falls on each part of this congregation. You see every aspect of our lives that needs to line up with you. And Lord, I pray that now, all of those present and those watching, Lord, that our lives will begin to line up, that our hearts will be in the right place, and this season of harvest, that we will be ready for the hour is upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.